Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger, and I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart, and Then Go Save the World. My book is all about helping people love and be loved more than ever. I believe we all have a superhero of love inside of us. Yes, even you, superhero. And in this podcast, I talk to people who are all about helping us all tap into that superhero. May this episode make a difference for your heart. Let's get this party started. Welcome, superheroes. Today's episode is an is a conversation with an amazing woman that I synchronistically met because of my dear friend Adelaide Hickson passing away. She was the guest rector at All Saints Church on November 10th, and I was blown away by Becca Stevens. She is a speaker, a leader, a priest, an entrepreneur. She's the founder and president of Thistle Farms, which is an, not an international nonprofit. Uh, she founded the organization more than 20 years ago to provide a sanctuary and healing space for women survivors of prostitution, trafficking, and addiction. And she leads important conversations like the one that led to her creating Thistle Farms across the country by speaking, writing, and heading a national network of like-minded organizations. She's founded seven justice organizations and helped raise more than $50 million for them. The New York Times, PBS, ABC World News, NPR, CNN, and even the White House have all highlighted Becca and her work. And I read her book, uh, which you will hear me refer to and read excerpts from, which is called Love Heals. I can't more highly recommend it. So uh, I welcome you to this hilarious interview. Uh, it, it starts out, we are both a little bit tense because of the uh, because of the technical difficulties. And then it just becomes more and more hilarious. We I edited out a ton of the hilarity, but uh, I hope you enjoy it. And also, please uh, stay on until the after the end of the interview because what I have excerpted at the end is her talk at All Saints Church so you actually hear her giving that talk that um, an excerpt from that talk on November 10th 2019 and also the song that I refer to um, the lyrics of which were blowing her and I both away when we finally sat down with them um, that song is also excerpted at the end of this. So stay on to the very, very end. Thanks for coming, Superhero. The reason you and I are talking today, <laughs> we just had some audio <laughs> miracles. The reason you and I are talking today is another miracle, which is I rarely go to All Saints Church in Pasadena where you were guest rectoring. What do you call that? I'm not a church person, yeah, so tell preaching. me what you were doing. Guess preaching. Okay. And I was there for a very special reason. My friend Adelaide Hickson, whose house I'm sitting in, and I was just showing you little details of the house. I was showing you the little African sculpture behind me, and we're going to be talking about Africa in a minute. Adelaide Hickson passed away on November 6th, and I went to All Saints Church on November 10th and heard you. And because we wanted to hear her name being uttered in her church that she was a huge uh, supporter of. And you gave one of the most breath, that was my favorite day in church ever. I'm not a big church going person. I rarely go to All Saints, like I said. I go there mostly for funerals and weddings. But you gave the most extraordinary sermon, which was called The Invitation to Freedom in Our Lives. And this is a great way to start the year talking about freedom. So this 
the reason I asked you is that I consider you a superhero of love, meaning you're in the business every day, boots on the ground of helping people heal and empower and clear their heart. And one of the ways that you do that is extraordinarily inspiring beyond your preaching that you did that day. If, if all you did was being a preacher and that was, I saw the evidence of that, that would be enough on this planet. But you do something even more amazing, which is you started a community called Thistle Farms over 20 years ago that is helping women who have been sex trafficked or been business, been victims of prostitution, et cetera, abuse. And I'm going to let you talk about that and tell them about Thistle Farms. But I just want to say you are a superhero of love and I welcome you and I'm so happy that you're here today. And I want to also say thank you for that day, the invitation to freedom in our lives. And I'm going to ask you some questions and bring up some of the quotes because I've listened to it like a million times. I loved it so much because all, oh all, all the All Saints Church um, um, uh, talks are online. So, you can, so I've listened to it a million times. And that song, Dance the Dance, is the most unbelievable song, which I've asked the composer if I could have permission to include it in this podcast, because it was such an, such an exaltation of, the, of, of your words that day. And let me just say one final thing about the invitation to freedom in our lives and dancing, which was woven throughout your talk. The theme of dance was woven throughout your talk. And I have some really cool quotes from you. <laughs> Um, but dance is something that I shared with Adelaide. She would take me to the theater. We saw Alvin Ailey several times together, um, ballet. So dance, I, I, I just, I turned to her granddaughter and I said, I can't believe the theme is dance and freedom. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was so Adelaide. You didn't even know her and you gave this ex extraordinary day to her. So I just want to say, that's why we're talking today because that was a miraculous day and your sermon was extraordinary. Thank you. Thank you so much. Those are some big kind words and I wish I had met Adelaide. She sounds amazing. Yeah, she was, she was incredible. She was an incredible, she was a philanthropist and she was a, she and her husband were ambassadors to, to Ghana in the sixties. Let's talk though, tell the people, cause I'd rather them hear it in your words, tell them about Thistle Farms and why you started it and, and what you're doing at Thistle Farms in Tennessee. Sure. So Thistle Farms is a global movement for women's freedom. It started in Nashville, Tennessee, helping five women with one house. And it was really a small, beautiful idea about basically how would we want to be treated if we were coming off the streets or out of prison, we being anybody in the world. And I kept thinking we would want to be treated with a beautiful house and a safe bed that was clean sheets and nobody just yelling at us and telling us what to do, but no, not just having time and space and resources so I could figure out my own path. And so that was the model. And we went on for about four years, and then about four years into it, we started really getting involved with economic development. So in 2000, we started the, one of the, I don't know, I don't, one of the first real justice enterprises for women survivors in the U.S. And it grew to be the biggest one. Wow. And it is, it's beautiful. We make bath and body care products and home products. And then we started duplicating and replicating the model around the U.S. into a sister community. So there's about a little bit over 50 communities 
right now with about 300 beds for it's free long-term beds with no authority in the house and then we started reaching out with global partners when you talked about your friend adelaide was in ghana one of our first global partners was in accra ghana and i remember one of my first journeys there and it was i mean it was beautiful and so we have about I don't know, something like 1,700 women globally that are all part of our shared trade enterprises for freedom. It's really fun. It's a great gift. It's a, it is synchronistically, I got a text from a friend who's in her early 20s who just relapsed, and, and I, she confessed that she's been relapsed for three weeks now, and she now has to choose what she's going to do, what rehab she's going to go into. So that text literally came in before I joined this call. And in the last um, year, I have just one degree or two degrees of separation from several people that have accidentally overdosed or have purposely taken their lives because of addiction. And it's, it's such an extraordinary and widespread problem in, our, in the United States, but you guys seem to be doing the full court press, like every element of their life. You give them two full years, right? To just relax into their healing. Yeah, and these are folks a lot, not everyone, um, not everyone has you know, an addiction. The vast majority do. But added to that is a lot of, um, early childhood trauma and sexual trauma and a lot of um, criminal stuff, which adds to the problems when you get felonies and the, you know, so much injustice in the system for women uh, layered on top of it. So you have somebody that has an addiction, but they also, you know, were first raped at 10 years old and hit the streets at 15 and were imprisoned at 16. And so it takes a couple years, you know, a, the, learning about triggers and treatment and all of that is part of it but really grounding yourself in a community where you don't have to go back to a dysfunctional family or boyfriend or anybody for financial help is just as important that young woman that i was just talking about has ptsd from sexual uh years and years and years since she was a teen so like 10 years of sexual assault the ptsd part is one that not all places can handle right the therapy that's needed for ptsd and it sounds like that's one of the things that you guys because uh let me just also say the title of the book of yours that i picked up that day that i met you love heal you do tell so many great stories, including one about dance, uh, several about dancing, but one where you came upon the woman where she was staying her room and she was dancing. Did she said she was dancing with the Holy, what did she say? She was dancing with the Holy Ghost? She's having a Holy Ghost party. <laughs> Holy Ghost party. I mean, and you came upon her alone in that celebration, like that to me was such a testament to the healing that you caught her off guard in the middle of this celebratory dance. Like that blew me away. That moment. Well, and she had a cast on her leg. That was the other part. What? I don't know how she I missed like that. A boot. You know, one of those boot casts? Yeah. yeah. Where she, I mean, it was like, what are you doing? And I thought she's relapsed. That's what I thought. You know, like people don't do that, that are normal or whatever it was. And she was just filled with joy and gratitude and was listening to music and just, you know, like really moving, like feeling herself moving. And I was so blown away by it and thought I have never, I have, I do not have any memory of ever doing that in my life. 
I don't, and it was like, I want to do that. I want to learn how to do that. And you told another story about, which I'm actually going to share if I can get permission. I'm going to share the excerpt from your talk about when you were in Rwanda early last year, like Mm -hmm. a year ago, you were in Rwanda and uh, tell them about why you were in Rwanda, because that's, that's such a, that project is so extraordinary. I know. And I'm just, we're planning our next trip. I'm so excited, but we're going in August. So it's going to be brutally hot, but I love going. There are old friends there. And I work with a group called Ikarizi um, and they make healing oils. So they make all these beautiful body healing oils that we blend into like bug spray and calming oils. They make patchouli, lemongrass, geranium, um, lavender, eucalyptus. I mean, they're, it's all skin, antiseptic, healing, great oils. So we started working together 2008 was the first time we ever started working together. And it's grown into this, you know, Nicholas, the head of it, has come to the U.S., I don't know, three or four times. And his son now works for Brian Stevenson in Montgomery for Equal Justice Initiative. Oh, my God. How cool is that? Oh, my God. So his son was six months old when the genocide happened, when Nicholas and his wife fled the genocide because they're of different tribes and they had this son. He's a six month old survivor of that genocide, a miracle. The whole story is miraculous. And they had their miracle story was they ended up being, they escaped to Scotland where he got his PhD in plants and um, insects and how they interact. And then he went back to Rwanda to start working with all the widows of the genocide producing these plants that do all this healing work. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's one of Shoka fellowships. I mean, he's a genius in this field, the guy that runs it. So to partner with him and be a part of it has been this great gift. The last time he was here, this is a great story. The last time he was here in the U S his son who, um, you know, graduated from University of Virginia and started working with Brian Stevenson at the lynching museum, the legacy museum in Montgomery, heading up all this philanthropic work. So his dad comes over and we get to drive from Nashville to Montgomery. So he gets to see his son and his son gets to tour his father, who is a survivor of the genocide through a museum about really about our genocide against African-American and how his son is now educating Americans all over our country about our history. I mean, they were crying and hugging each other. And, you know, I was behind them just like, I didn't know whether to videotape it. I didn't know whether just to step out of the way, but it was, I knew it was just sacred. That's the best word I can come up with of, how powerful love is when you talk about superhero power and love, just the fact that his father helped his son survive, what a loving act it was right. then giving his son to the world. And then his son turning around and offering it back to his dad. I can't Beautiful. even, Oh my God. Like you say, love heals, right? The yeah. title of your book, love heals. And sometimes it takes, it takes, sometimes it takes generations and decades to realize what the work is doing and how beautiful it is, you know? 
Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I'm learning is like things come back around 10, 20 years later. It's not a quick fix. It's this beautiful slow walk, slow dance. It's a slow dance. It's a slow <laughs> dance. That's good. One of the stories that you told in your sermon was about being on the geranium farm and the women started dancing. And for some reason, you sat out that dance. I'm, I'm hopefully going to insert that excerpt here, but I just want to say the last um, sentence of that part of your talk, which is, um, maybe if some of the stuff hadn't happened to me in my life as a kid, I would dance. Maybe if I felt better in my body, I would dance. Maybe if I didn't feel so conspicuous, I would dance. Maybe if I was a better person, I would dance. I don't know what it is that keeps you out of that space, but it doesn't serve any purpose. And I think that hit a lot of us in the audience. But The space of not dancing or yes. the space of dancing? Yeah, no. Yeah, I love how you said it. Keep, I don't know what keeps you, it, what it is that keeps you out of that space. Right. You're right. Oh my right. God. You're right. I got confused. What keeps you dancing is what we need to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm about to say, tell me the worst shit that keeps you from dancing. I was like, okay. No, I think what keep, what I think keeps me dancing, it's gotta be for me, honestly, like in the story of Hansel and Gretel, it's the little tiny breadcrumbs along the way. It's not this big revolutionary thing. It's like, oh my God, there's another piece. Oh my God, there's another piece. I'll keep dancing. I'll keep going. And, you know, I love that I'm a priest and I serve people breadcrumbs. You know, it's not like you give everybody a big old loaf. It's like you get a, these breadcrumbs and it's like, it's enough to keep you going. Right. And that stuff is enough for me to keep me going. Like it's, the small and tender mercies, it's, you know, the inklings of the divine. It's the pat on the back that you get from the weirdest things, like somebody remembering a line you said in a sermon about dancing. It keeps <laughs> you going. It makes you feel good. So right. I'll take the crumbs any day. And it's like, I keep following the breadcrumbs and thinking, I'm going to get home. Oh. That's so beautiful. By the same token, like what I just saw is that that's like what your work is, is putting those breadcrumbs down for other people and leading them through it. That's making me cry because that is who you are in the world is you have your little basket of breadcrumbs and you never seem to run out. You talked also in that sermon about the Tiki Hut experience. Yeah. (laughs) The Tiki Hut dance where you just... That was a, that was, and oh my God, that was so hilarious. The line that you said, we had ginger ale in, in uh, styrofoam cups and Doritos and CDs. And then you described what CDs were. That was so hilarious. (laughs) 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 But, but you said, I could not have told you what gender, race, or creed I was. And I want that for all of us. That cell, that dance where you just lose who you are. So Right. And how often do we get invited into that space? Right. I mean, sometimes it does take going to some really crappy old, you know, whatever they call those things where kids go in the summer. What do you call those? They're like Carnival? not day camps. It's like Sam- one of those old camp. church camps. Yeah. Summer camps. Thank you. So it's like how often you sometimes have to go to like those old summer camps where you're, it's just so ridiculously nerdy <laughs> and out in the sticks and nobody gives a crap anyway. And then they put you in this, again, ridiculously large tiki hut (laughs) with the worst food in the world. And it's like, you know, what are you going to do but dance? 
<laughs> Are you going to sit back and judge that? No, you're going to dance. And it was like, there were so many, it was just this hodgepodge of folks from the Magdalene community. So there are people two years old to 75 years old. And there was nothing you could do except join in that dance at that point. And it was one of the, it was one of the finer nights of my life. Never at a wedding have I danced like that. Never um, at a, you know, some occasion for school or business or just fun. It was just, it, those are a gift. Don't you have, do you have some of those nights? You know, you talk a lot about safety too, safe environments, right? You have to feel kind of safe yeah. to be able to just let yeah. yourself go too. And I do those kind of things with small groups of girlfriends where I can just, I can be safe. I have a group of girlfriends. We see each other very, really since we were 11 years old. And it's like, you can be nerdy and you can, you know, have those, have those safe expressions of craziness. And maybe next time I come to All Saints, we can have a dance party the night before. Yes. Okay, let's do it. Done. Scheduled on it. Done. Done. Um, I have to read. So I'm going to actually post the lyrics to the song that was sung that day that your sermon dovetailed with so beautifully. The, the title of the song is Dance Your Dance. And I just have to read this one stanza, which is the final stanza, because it's so you. And it, to me, reading the book Love Heals, in which everybody read the book Love Heals, it's so, it's, it has so many, um, practical tips for living a loving, healing, healed heart life and living an exalted life, living a joyful life. There's so many wonderful tips in it, but also stories, um, inspiring stories that change you in just reading them. But this one stanza, after reading your book and reading all these stories about um, how how you guide people in Thistle Farms, this stanza sounds like you. Drop your worries to the floor and kick them to the corner hard. Then march to the center of the space you have cleared. Grab hands and dance in joy. Isn't that great? That is so beautiful. So beautiful. I love it. The whole song was so great. But that, like you, uh, you're not uh, like you're you know, grab hands, march to the center of the space. Like that's who you, I love that gusto. That's why I wanted you on here. Cause you're like, rawr, like you're a lion, you're a lion and you're a lioness, right? Like you have your little cubs and you love them like, like Mary, right? You love them like Mary and you're fierce like Jesus, right? Like, so you have all of that in you. So I just had to, uh, had to bring that up because it reminds me. You are very kind, by the way. (laughs) You are very, are you this way with everybody? (laughs) This is not kind. There would be a thousand, 12,000 people standing behind me to say hallelujah. And yes, I agree, Bridget. Um, It's true. You know that. No, thank you. Okay. So I know you have limited time and I, and um, we were having our little beautiful technical difficulties earlier. So I want to, I want to, I want to come back around and there are a couple of things that I know that are really important to you. And one of them is that I want you to speak on is small is powerful because right now in the world, it just feels, you know, we a lot of people I know, a lot of friends and family feel burdened by the weight of the negativity that's happening and you uh, are a proponent of 
small gestures. Small is powerful. So I want you to talk to that. And um, I can absolutely talk to that. So what I want to say to everybody is what my mother used to say to me, snap out of it. Just snap out of it. It's like no time for all that overwhelming, depressing bullshit. It stop. Just stop because it will take us nowhere. It won't take us to the next breadcrumb, will it? So what we have to do is do what we can do. And we have to do it. We don't have to talk about it. We don't have to have 45 committee meetings and over-intellectualize it. We don't have to... Um, cave in to all this knowledge in the world that really is just a hope drainer because people don't know the future. We're allowed to hope. We're allowed to work and oh, we're allowed to hope. We're allowed we to have hope. That. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. Sorry. Well, it's true. And it's like, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm going to be hopeful about elections if I want to be. I'm going to be hopeful about, um, you know, the freedom for women if I want to be, and I'm going to be hopeful about, you know, the prospects of things turning around for our planet if I want to be. And what that means is that that's how I'm going to live. I mean, I'm going to live into that hope and I'm going to do and, you know, be where I can. And so what I do, what I personally do is I run to community. You know, I don't walk, I run. I run to other people who want to feel that and join mm -hmm. in that. And then we can you know, go and organize and do stuff together. And it doesn't have to be huge to make a big difference. The whole point of how we're doing this global movement for freedom is with small artisan survivors around the globe that five or six women can change a whole community. They come together and you take a small village in any number of, you know, Central or South American places and I've seen it turn things around, like literally change the way the schools are done, change the way people feel. And I feel very confident in the U.S. that the five women that started at Thistle Farms in 1997 have helped change legislation. They've helped change um, language, culture around how we treat women survivors. They've been on the forefront of that. And it was like the five, when that five of those women got together and got started, they began something big. So I think whoever we're with and we want to start doing it the way we want to do it, what's in our gut and what's in our heart and what's in our hope box, we get to do it. <laughs> you know, we just get to. And people can say, well, that's not how we do it. I remember when, you know, we've been doing this work for like six or seven years. And I said, so many people are coming and I really want to start a cafe to feed everybody. When they come to Nashville, I want to open a, like a, Thelma and Louise Cafe. So I called it Thistle Stop Cafe. Oh, that's awesome. Like after, right. And, there, there yeah. were, and I'd never gotten so much negative feedback in my life about, look, y'all make bath and body care products. You work with survivors. You have no idea how to run a restaurant. You can't do it this way. You spread yourself too thin. You've lost all your branding. It's a horrible idea. And I'm like, yeah, but also I'm from the South. And when people come, you have to feed them. Right. And I want people, I want people to come. It's what we do at church. We feed them. Right. Finally, we got to open the thing. And now it's like 70,000 visitors a year. Oh, my God. So Unbelievable. Great. And this community of experts in dining and chefereism and all of that came together. 
it's like I have because I don't. I don't have any idea how to do any of that. I bet just like, would you like peanut butter with your jelly? Is my <laughs> basic question. But people that knew it, but people that were experts, if you just like, I guess what I want to say is, if you just have an idea or just a little hope, and you start working, the right people will be a part of it with you. You know, and that I just. I, that I love it if it's small and it's agile and you can move and then when it needs to if it has legs you know it'll walk and then you know if it needs to go farther it'll get a car right <laughs> oh, that is fantastic it'll get a car yes um, the idea can get a car <laughs> I have to stand up I'm sore oh I did yoga I do yoga once a year Kill once a year that's hilarious it's okay. awful it's awful I'm supposed no, to do it every week it's it's kind of hilarious. The fact that you do it though once a year is great. No, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it every week this year. So the other thing that you say is along those same lines is you don't have to be a hero in your community. Like sometimes, like I think that that's what you're saying. It's the same thing that you're saying, right? That and I'm saying, oh shoot, sorry, my phone fell over. I'm making candles while <gasps> oh I'm talking God. to you. A friend of mine has bees, and she wanted me to make. Um, a beeswax candle for her. I poured a bunch of geranium from Rwanda in it so she can use it as a bug spray too. Oh so my anyway. God. You have to sell those. Are you going to sell those? No, these are from my friend. We make 50,000 candles a year. These are just from her bees made okay. with beeswax. Right. These are just delicious. Oh my God. Can I smell? Beeswax. Can you put it next to the, can you put it next to the, oh my God. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it smells divine, you guys. Video. Video sniffing is amazing. Video sniffing, it's all the rage. Um, okay, last question. Come on. Bring yeah, it. last question is I know I'm trying to I'm trying to choose my question wisely. Superhero uh, love. Wait mama. a second. Hold on. Uh, Becca, what are you working on these days? <laughs> what an amazing, thoughtful question. Thank you for asking. With your friends at All Saints and several other folks, that our whole focus this year is really love beyond our southern borders and trying to work with 10 different groups of women who are beautiful leaders in their community, survivor artisans who are making things and expanding markets both in their local community and through our Thistle Farms partnership. So we just got back from Ecuador like five days ago and oh, wow. we developed, I know, we have four new prototypes of products and we were able to purchase this huge I mean huge you have no idea when I say huge it's huge like it's like an embroidery machine with like like a million different threads you can put on it um, and they're going to start their training February 1 how to make school uniforms and sports uniforms in their communities oh wow so they have the patterns they have this machine but for us we've got four new prototypes and they're all bags and the, the big one is the bolsa bag, and it lives between the tote and the backpack. So it's called bolsa bag. And the um, branding or whatever, the tagline is, I carry my sister's story. Oh, my God. That's beautiful. That mm -hmm. is beautiful. Okay, I just snapped mm -hmm. a picture of you because literally when you started telling that story, you moved your head in a way that you now have a bright halo over your head. You literally <laughs> look like an angel right now. Perfect. <laughs> it was hard to get, Christy, you could let the light down behind my head now. <laughs> hey, 
<laughs> Talk so about right. branding. <laughs> so let me just tell you this last thing. So we're on our way to Peru. And the group in Peru, everybody should look it up that listens to your podcast. It's called The Monkey Project. And it's a group of women um, in Huancayo, which is an eight-hour drive from Lima, Peru, into the Andes Mountains. And it's this beautiful group of women who make all these, they crochet these sock monkeys. And they make it with that baby alpaca wool. And each one is a character. And so what they want to do is develop a whole bunch of stories. Not they, They're sold out of their products all the time, so we're going to invest in the business. The woman who runs it, who is Peruvian, happens to live in Nashville, Tennessee. So, like, we just met last week again. She's amazing. But, um, you know, they want to have, like, children's books that go along with each of the monkeys, and they've all overcome something, and they're doing this. So it's like um, – Einstein, Olivia, Otis. I can't remember. There's like six of them. So we're going to expand the line, and but then also expand the fun stuff that goes along with each of the little monkeys. Oh, my God. That is so genius. Okay, so where can they find all of this? Is this all on your Thistle Farm site? All on Thistle Farm site. Go to the global page, global partners. You'll okay. see them all. Okay. So the whole focus this year, and I just told you two, and there's eight more that we're working with. So it's a beautiful year for us to be loving the women south of the border. Yeah. Those are the superheroes, man. Yes. Saving communities, doing all kinds of amazing work. Thank you so much for making time, Angel Becca, with the bright halo overhead. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait for our dance party. I know. I can't wait for the dance party either. All right. So thank you for making time. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for Thistle Farms. Thank you for Love Heals. You guys go out and get Love Heals. It's, it's, it's such an amazing, inspiring book. Thank you for inspiring us to dance today, Becca. Love, love, love. And I'm so grateful. Bye.
being in Rwanda in January of this year, one of our very first global partnerships, the bug spray partnership where they make geranium oil. And we were out in the geranium fields and walking around and talking about the growth, meeting the new women hires, and watching the incredible transformation of how we can take plants and transform into education and housing and healing for communities. And they were on a hillside, and some of the women started dancing. And Franny started dancing. And, you know, I just want to say, I know they were dancing, I mean, laughing with you as you were dancing. But people started coming together, and there was a lot of dancing going on. And my memory is that I didn't dance, that I totally uh, sat it out. I don't know if you have memories of that. Chances where you had that space for freedom and you chose to sit it out. And I don't even know why. I took a couple videos and I think sometimes I think maybe if I was freer, I would dance. Maybe if some of the stuff hadn't happened to me in my life as a kid, I would dance. You know, maybe if I felt better in my body, I would dance. Maybe if I didn't feel so conspicuous, I would dance. Maybe if I was a better person, I would dance. I don't know what it is that keeps you out of that space, but it doesn't serve any purpose. That was Becca Stevens speaking at All Saints Church, and just before that was the song Dance Your Dance, and I did get permission from the composer Jacob Narverud. You have to check out his work, Jacob Narverud, N-A-R-V-E-R-U-D, and I'm also posting the lyrics to Dance Your Dance on the podcast notes, so check out Jacob's body of work, I'm Blown Away, and go by Love Heals by Becca Stevens. If you like this podcast, please go rate and review it, tell your friends about it, we need more superheroes of love in the fold and if you haven't checked out superhero of love heal your broken heart and then go save the world oh my goodness please do have a great day superhero